What is up, guys? Welcome in to the Cincinnati Reds Fan Podcast. My name is Jordan Biddle. I am your host, and oh boy, the Reds get back in the win column after three losses in a row, which weren't really bad losses except the first Orioles game. The Reds get back in the win column with Abbott's fantastic game Uh, I thought for a while there with Abbott walking, guys, he settled down. He pitched fantastically, especially, um, you know, innings like uh, four, five, six. It was just fantastic. He was almost unhittable. Um, He only gave up two hits and six innings, eight strikeouts. Uh, Yeah, you'd like to get the walks down a little bit, but at the same time, uh, the umpire behind the plate wasn't very consistent with his calls, which which created a big problem for, for Andrew Abbott. And uh, most of the calls, in my opinion, were going towards the Orioles. Um, we're not going to get into that. We really, really wanted, we need to talk about Andrew Abbott. Listen, he's played four games. He's pitched four games. Okay. We have been longing for Andrew Abbott for a long, we're lucky we have him. Because if we didn't, boy, this 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 uh, rotation would be in some really really bad deep, you know what? Um, you know, if Ashcraft comes back, it won't be too. It shouldn't be too bad. But tomorrow, odds are against us. We have Weaver on the mound. His ERA is close to seven. Uh, so. Hopefully, let's hope that Weaver can somehow pull out a, a, a good start. Maybe go five innings at the least. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. But odds are he's going to get hit around a little bit. He's, he's going to get smacked around by this fantastic um, Orioles offense. Um, but that being said, Andrew Abbott, 1.21 ERA with four games under his belt. Guys, there is a point in time where you have to consider if there is a pitcher that has an ERA that is a rookie, a rookie that has an ERA of 1.21 as a starter, and he just two-hit one of the best offenses in the league, you have to put it into consideration that he could be rookie of the year. Everybody's saying, oh, Corbin Carroll is running away with the rookie of the year. Is he? Is he really? I mean, Corbin Carroll's great. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a fantastic player. I mean, one of the best for sure. But my problem is with with this, um, you know, Carroll taking over the rookie of the year I mean, he's batting 293. He's got a ton of power, 17 home runs, 44 RBIs, 23 stolen bases. That's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. It's great. But there are other guys like, I don't know, Spencer Steer, who ha- he's right there. He has more RBIs. His average is right there with Corbin Carroll. It's at, I believe, last time I checked, it was like 283 or something. So it's right there with Corbin Carroll. So he's five home runs and 
10 points in average behind Corbin Carroll. And I believe his on-base percentage is much more elite than Corbin Carroll. Um, and Corbin Carroll hasn't been playing uh, good as of late. Um, let's see. His on-base, Corbin Carroll's on-base is 370, uh, which is still pretty good. Um, and then let's go over to Spencer Steer's OBP real quick. I mean, I'm just saying, like, even McLean, he's hitting 321. Uh, his power is starting to come around. Yeah, yeah, Corbin Carroll's really good. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for anybody. But Corbin Carroll's also been playing the whole entire season. These guys haven't. Abbott hasn't. It, could you imagine Abbott's numbers right now if he's played the whole season? Could you imagine? It'd probably be pretty good. Um... But so, yeah, since last night, Spencer Steer is hitting 279, 12 home runs, 46 RBIs, eight stolen bags, which is a uh, an absolute surprise. And his OBP is 367. So since last night, last night it was better than Corbin Carroll's. But since last night happened, his OBP dropped below Corbin Carroll's. But that being said, Spencer Steer is right there, man. He is right there. People, when 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 I see... A guy like or or a uh, power rankings of the best rookies. It usually goes like Corbin Carroll, Gunnar Henderson. Which Gunnar Henderson, I don't really understand because the dude's barely batting over two forty. Makes no sense. Yes, he has really good potential, but right now, I would probably put Ellie De La Cruz right there at number two, uh, and then you know it goes like uh, Ellie De La Cruz at four, and you know Matt McClain at eight. But guess what? There's no Andrew Abbott. There's no, there's no steer. They're underrated. And listen, let me tell you something. That's not a, that, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I would like for them to win the NL rookie of the year. I would love the, or the, or the, the, uh, yeah, NL rookie of the year. But the, the thing is they are so under the radar when teams like steer doesn't get, he doesn't get you know, um, screen time, like Ellie De La Cruz does. Ellie De La Cruz just hit for a cycle. He's going to get screen time. He's the fastest dude on the planet in the, in the, in the majors. Um, you know, he plays a really good defense. He has unbelievable power. He has the biggest ceiling out of anybody. But Spencer Steer is having a phenomenal season. Abbott, with his first four starts, it's unheard of the way that he is pitching for his four, first four starts. He is great. But I would love I would love for the um, media to just keep their eyes on Corbin Carroll because they're going to pitch around him a lot more um, uh, as we go along. And the Spencer Steers are just going to keep getting those same pitches over and over again and keep getting better. So I I believe that Spencer Steer could become, you know, like a Scott Rowland or something. You know, obviously defensively, that's a a really hard ask. But, you know, uh, offensively, I think that he could be something really special. I mean, Steer's already 25. You know, he's he's a little bit older than the younger guys like Ellie De La Cruz and McLean. But that being said, I think when he hits 26, 27, 28 in his prime – I think that the guy could easily go for 30 home runs a year. 
maybe more if if he uh, you know hits the right stride. Um, and I, I I would I would almost uh, bet money that guy like uh, Encarnacion, Strand, Ellie De La Cruz, uh, McLean, Steer, all of these guys will be hitting thirty home runs per year. They'll be at a caliber like the Atlanta Braves are right now. They'll be there sooner rather than later, especially when uh, Encarnacion Strand gets up here. It's going to add a lot of uh, power to this lineup for sure. Uh, and I could see that happening. I could see Encarnacion Strand uh, and um, uh, Connor Phillips being called up uh, on Friday. Um, I believe the last time Connor Phillips pitched – Oh man, I need to look this up. He didn't pitch. I think he pitched like an inning and a third, and he only pitched like thirty something uh, pitches or something like that. Um, let me check here. But either way, I think it's a possibility that uh, Connor Phillips and uh, Strand get called up on Friday. <sighs> Why I say that is because the guys are still playing really well. Um, you know, Connor Phillips <clears throat> has yet to make his first triple A start. Um, I'm trying to see what, what was his last game? When was his last game? I can't find it anywhere. Here we go. Okay. So his last game was, uh, June 24th. And he pitched two-thirds of an inning. I don't know why he only pitched two-thirds of it. That's weird. He only pitched two-thirds of an inning and only 34 pitches that he pitched. And I think they have a rule down there where they can only pitch maximum 35 pitches in one inning. And that's why they pulled him because he had given up um, one earned run, and he had walked three guys in one inning. So you know that those types of starts happen, but <clears throat> not very often for Connor Phillips. Total splits. I mean, he's he's been pitching so good, man. One hundred and eleven strikeouts through uh, fourteen games. Wow, just wow, unreal. They need to get him up here. I mean, even even calling him, even if he gave up, you know, three runs, maybe even four runs and in six innings, that is so valuable for, to this team right now. It is so valuable because you're gonna get Weaver, who's gonna give up five, five, <coughs> excuse me, five or six runs and four innings, three or four innings. You can't have that because by the time you give up five to six runs, you've already lost. Yes, his offense is good enough to come back, but they can't do it every damn time. They can't do it every time that Weaver comes to pitch. They can't do it. Luckily, when Weaver pitches, the Reds offense loves to hit. You know, he's pitched how many games this year and he he has a record of one and two one and two crazy um 
when Gibson pitches for the Orioles, they the Orioles love to pitch or hit as well. So it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a slugfest tomorrow, in my opinion. So we'll see what happens. But uh that being said, yesterday's uh win for this Reds team is probably is easily the, the the for me one of the bigger wins of the season. Um and you ask me why? Well, it's technically because they could have they they take they could have taken that three uh game losing streak and they could have taken that a lot farther than just three games. They could have taken it five, six, maybe even more losses because of the schedule they have coming up. I mean, think about it. They got Baltimore tomorrow, San Diego coming up. Yes, San Diego's struggling, but God, that guy has, or that the guy, that team has Tatis, Soto, Machado. They have Bogarts. They have, uh, who else do they have? Um, uh, I can't think of his name. Start. I think it starts with a uh, wit wit something worth. Cronin's worth. Cronin's worth. I mean, they have so many guys that that just hit the hell out of the ball, especially Tatis and Soto and Machado and just everybody. They have a great offense. Not to mention, it's not even their best part of their flipping team. Their their uh, pitching is on this season. Their their offense hasn't been clutch at all. Uh, the, the, the guys that are due to start for San Diego is, uh, I believe you Darvish and the lefty Blake Snell. And I forget the other one. So that being said, um, you know, the, the, the Reds don't have an easy schedule coming up and, and I don't know, Connor Phillips would be huge if they, if they got him in, um, against San Diego, in my opinion. Um, so, but their, their, their pitching hasn't been, uh, good as of late. Uh, so Snell, we actually might miss Snell because Snell pitches tomorrow. Yeah, I think so. Snell pitches tomorrow against Pittsburgh and then it goes Musgrove. Wow. That might be huge actually. And then it's TBD for the next day. So I think think tbd for saturday tbd for sunday man i wish i knew who was pitching um but i think ashcraft will be due to pitch here against the 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 padres uh i wish i had more news on hunter green because we need him back something fierce um and also, I was thinking, just for a one-year rental, would it be crazy for the Reds to ask to get Verlander? I know they're paying him a lot of money, but it would be in our budget to spend that money just to pay him half a year. I think he would be owed uh, something around like $20 million the rest of the year, maybe a little less than that. And would it be crazy just to pay the guy for half a year? And see what we could do in the playoffs. Would it be would it be nuts? I mean, I don't know who who do we have to give to the Mets for Justin Verlander, but I, right now Verlander's just struggling. He's on the downhill, it seems like. But um, 
a lot of options. Let's let's see if we can find anything about Hunter Green and see what he's up to and if we're okay. Uh, let's see. So activate. Nothing there. I'm not really seeing much about Hunter Green. And I don't know if that's a good thing or if it's the, if that's a bad thing. Because, you know, officially Lodolo is not coming back till August. I think that's the best situation. I think that's what they said. Um, but if, if, if the, the, the Reds have a chance to take the division for the next half decade, and including this season... And if they are to do that, they have to, have to, have to get somebody after the uh, um, after the All Star breaks. Okay, here we go. Cincinnati Reds are are the feel good story of baseball right now, but their resolve is going to continue to be tested. Already without starting pitcher Nick Lodolo until August, and team could be without young flamethrower Hunter Green until August as well. The following update comes from the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Portal. The Reds aren't counting on Green, uh, Green's hip to return from the 15-day injury list before August. Oh, gosh. That's from C. Uh, uh, Trent Rosecrans. Um, man, that's not good. Uh, Cincinnati is unlikely to put an official timeline on Green's return from the IL until he receives a second opinion on his hit right hip. Which, co which cost him a turn in the rotation earlier in June before he landed on the I.O. last week. If the upcoming medical opinion yields good news, Green's could Green could have a chance at returning shortly after the All-Star break, although, or wait, no, though at this stage, an August return appears likelier. Oh, man. To return from the I.O. until at least August as well, so the team's already thin starting pitching depth looks as though it'll continue to be tested for the next month. So it's set, So technically it's just saying Hunter Green could come back right after the All-Star break, but it's likely, it's likely that he doesn't return until August. Oh, oh that's killing. That is, that is tough. So, a.k.a. we're going to need Ashcraft, Williamson, and Abbott to be our anchors. Unless they bring up Connor Phillips. I'm telling you, that's the choice. At least, like, listen. Listen to what I'm saying, okay? Real quick, and I'll be, and I'll, uh, and I'll leave. I'll go. Bring up Connor Phillips. See what he has for a couple of starts. Until Lodolo and Green come back. And if he's not ready, if he's giving up runs, walking guys, giving up hits, he's just not ready. He's not ready to come up. And God knows why he wouldn't be because you brought up Williamson when he had an ERA of like six something in AAA. You brought up uh, Jake Wong with a 10 ERA. Why couldn't you bring up Connor Phillips? But see what he has. And if he's not ready, Go ahead and go for a starting pitcher that is available on the market, the trading block. Sese, Bieber, guy like Verlander is possible. Uh, you know, somebody like that. Go for it. Why not? 
We're right there with Milwaukee, especially if we have a good series against Milwaukee when we go to Milwaukee before the All-Star break. That is going to be an important series because if we win two of three of those games, well, guess what? Now we have a decent lead against the Milwaukee Brewers. And in my opinion, the Cubs aren't going to be playing for a playoff spot. They're not. They're going to be selling. They're going to they're in a rebuild mode. They need younger players. They don't have the prospects to uh come up like the Reds have the last year or two. They just don't have the prospects. Uh the Cubs don't. I think their their top prospect is Pete Crow Armstrong and I don't think his um numbers are that impressive last time I checked them at least. So let's check let's check on the Cubs here. Um you know, I think the Cubs I think they're going to sell Stroman. I think they're going to sell. So, so their 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 best um prospect is Pete Crow Armstrong, 20 21 years old. Um let's see what's his stats. Yeah, he's in double layer and I'm betting 283-63 on base, 491 slugging. I mean, he's playing pretty good. He's got some speed, 19 stolen bases, but he's not here yet. He's not here. So so what the Cubs are wanting to do is they are wanting to acquire um some some prospects like their second prospect, Kate Horton. He's in he's in high eight. He's not going to be ready till next year. They're not going to bring him up. Um the third prospect um, just, uh, he's just hit triple A and he has an area of five. He's not ready. Ben Brown. How many guy? how many top 100 prospects do they have? They don't have many. Uh, the last time I checked, P. Kerr Armstrong is in the top 10. Let's see who else do they have here in the top 100. Kate Horton's in the top 100. So that's two prospects in the top 100. Um, and that's it. That's all. That's all they have. They have two prospects in the top 100. How many do the Reds have? I believe five. That includes Ellie De La Cruz. I mean, for the love of God, they're not going to do anything this year. So the only competition that the Reds have this season is Milwaukee. So bring up Connor Phillips. See what he has. If we take two out of three from Milwaukee, it is likely... And, and I think Milwaukee, it's a possible chance that Milwaukee will be selling as well. It's, it's, it's a possibility, especially if Milwaukee is a few games out of uh, first place from the Cincinnati Reds by the end of the, um, uh, the trade. Um, God, what is it called? The, uh, at the end of the trade season, I don't, my mind is going blank right now. Um, but that being said. The Reds have to go either get Connor Phillips up here or go for a starting pitcher. They have to trade for a starting pitcher. So, just just say the, the Reds need to buy. That's it. No, I mean, unless you're selling Kevin Newman and Kirk Casale, there's no selling on our part. None. You can't. Unless you're, you're, you're getting rid of a prospect or two to get a guy like Justin. I was about to say Justin Bieber. Oh, my God. Where's my mind? Um, Shane Bieber. Unless you're getting a guy like Shane Bieber or Dylan Sesse. That's it. And technically that's buying. So, but anyway, 
that's all I got for you guys today. Just giving some opinions, and you know, Reds back in the win column. Hopefully, they can get a W tomorrow with Weber on the mound. It's it's a very tough situation. I think the Reds are going to have to score like something like seven, eight runs, maybe more, to even get a W from from uh, Weber. Um, yeah, unless he unless he comes out and plays really well, pitches really well, and it's possible, but doubt it with Weber. It's just a he just leaves everything over the middle of the plate. He only throws like ninety. Tops out like 95, um, which is like a, a guy like Gunnar Henderson's bread and butter. So we'll see what happens. Uh, other than that, that's all I got for you guys today. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Hit me up at uh, jbids37, that's J-B-I-D-D-S-3-7 on Twitter. If you guys have any questions, I'll put it on the podcast, and I'll see you guys next time.